Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at JustAskVi. That's vi.com. And here we go. My opponent is against oil, guns, and God. I am the Democratic Party right now. 47 years, you've done nothing. Everything Americans value hangs in the balance. We have an obligation under the Constitution to use every arrow in our quiver. This is the most important election in the history of our country. I believe that. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. And welcome. It is Devious Motives, episode number 27, Lucky 27. Uh, that means we've got three episodes left before we get to Election Day. And as, as many of you are able to do because you're great at math, you understand that we're, we're, we're a little ahead of schedule. Well, we are. We are a little bit ahead of schedule, I think, by about two episodes. And so we're just going to keep going. We're going to keep going until the election is decided. And that is the, uh, that is the demand and the command that I am uh, issuing uh, from my perch here. Uh, at, uh, at at Devious Motives, and it's great to be here with you. Later on in this hour, or half hour, I should say, uh, Rick Gates is going to come back, and uh, we've got a bunch of stuff on polls and the games being played in North Carolina. Now, suddenly, the, the deadline to get your ballot in is six days after the election. That's not a joke. It's really true. Um, you want to you wanna create a, a, a context in which people do not trust the system. You, my friend, are watching a system that is not to be trusted if you can get your ballot in six days after the conclusion of the election. It's just, it's it's pure idiocy writ large. Uh, we'll get with him about that. Uh, one other thing, though, I want to look at right out of the box is this GDP number that came out. And it's funny because I, I the minute the GDP number came out and we saw that it was a 33% accelerated at a 33% annualized pace in the third quarter, I immediately had to go over and put on uh, <clears throat> morning, morning Joe and the pool boy, as I call it. And morning Joe and the pool boy, they, they were sitting there and, and they were just, they were just fit to be tied. So they had to bring on Stephanie rule, who's an anchor over at NBC. And she's like, well, you know, this is expected. I mean, we took such a huge hit and it's not going to last. And there's people dying from COVID and yada, yada, yada. It is going to matter. It, it, this, this 33% GDP number is a huge deal. And I'm going to tell you why it is. It comes off the worst quarter in history. The quarter before the third quarter was the worst quarter in American history, and it grew at its fastest pace ever in the third quarter. Have you gone to a store lately? Have, have you gone to a big box store, you know, your Lowe's, your Home Depot's? Have you gone to Walmart? Have you gone to Costco? People are spending. They are spending a lot. In my neighborhood, which is a you know middle-class family kind of a neighborhood, I don't, I don't, I don't live in the fancy swanky penthouses that uh, Hunter Biden uh, occupies. But everybody I see is getting 
remodeling done, pools installed, you name it. The economy is still moving. And yes, we have a pandemic with COVID. And yes, the Chinese unleashed it on us. And yes, um, we are seeing a spike right now. The one thing I don't see talked about, though, in the current spike with COVID is, is incredibly disturbing to me. And that's this notion that, well, wait a minute, where did the second wave come from that's now ravaging the United States? Has it just been kind of laying dormant out there among the people? Is anybody asking if, if we're, are we still bringing flights in from, from China and Europe, which are suffering from these infections? And how are those infections popping up suddenly in Europe? I, I, I think it's fair to ask whether or not Xi Jinping uh, is hitting us with a round two on this COVID thing. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I know that China is a sacrosanct issue. If you're, if you're a Biden uh, person, you don't want to talk about China. It's, it's upsetting. It's frightening. But the reality is, after talking to Gordon Chang yesterday, uh, and you should follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang, it became abundantly clear to me that China has beyond malintent. And the idea that anybody views them as a partner that we can work with you got to be smoking a rope. It's insane. So the third quarter gross domestic product, and this is per CNBC, right? So this is not at all uh, any kind of a we love Trump organization. Uh, the third quarter gross domestic product, a measure of total goods and services produced in July to September, expanded at a 33.1% annualized pace. That's according to the, uh, to, to the economic numbers that came out. The gain came after a 31.4% plunge in the second quarter. So you remember what the second quarter was, right? You, you, have, you have June, July, and August, right? You have June, July, and August. And, 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 and the way it's split up is important because the third quarter is July to September, right? So you have July, August, September. We're now in the fourth quarter. The second quarter is June, May, and April going in reverse. Those were horrible times uh, here in the United States. Summer is usually, you know, kind of a chill time. It's, it's, it's not a, a thing where you're focusing on business quite so much, but the, the third quarter gross domestic product blew up. It, it absolutely blew up. Came after that 31.4% plunge. And was better than the 32% estimate from the Economist surveyed by Dow Jones. The previous post-World War II record, by the way, was 16.7% in the first quarter of 1950. All right? Markets were reacting positively. They, they dipped for a bit. Now they're dipping again because they're worried about the, uh, the coronavirus. Uh, 228,000 people have died thus far in the coronavirus at the hands of the Chinese communist virus. And it's something that's got to be uh, dealt with in a serious and substantial way. We face a tougher road ahead. Uh, we've lost um, uh, 22 million jobs total as a result of the Chinese flu. And uh, we have about half of them still remaining unfilled. The unemployment rate's at 7.9%, which was double the pre-pandemic level. I don't think, though, that people are blaming President Trump for, for the unemployment number being that high since we got attacked by a foreign entity uh, in, in a biological uh, weapon. Personal consumption was up 40%. Gross private domestic investment surged 83% and 59% increases on the residential side. These numbers are big. They're huge, but it still leaves uh, a growth 
3.5% beneath the level at the end of 2019, when, let's not forget, we were all consumed with the idea of impeachment brought to you by Adam Schiff, and nobody was talking about the coronavirus at that time. We were a distracted country, distracted because Adam Schiff wanted to make himself a little impeachment, and uh, he got Speaker Pelosi to go along with the scam, and nothing happened. The president wasn't removed. The president did a victory lap, did a State of the Union address, and then within weeks, we were hit by the Chinese communists and, and their bioweapon, as far as I'm concerned, which was the pandemic. I, it's, it's really abundantly clear to me what's going on here. Uh, I want to I pivot, though, to the name I just mentioned, Adam Schiff. I've been watching these interviews with uh, uh, Tony uh, Babalewski uh, uh, talking about his relationship with the Bidens, and something occurred to me. And I don't know that it's connected to anything other than it's an interesting coincidence. Adam Schiff represents the 28th congressional district in California. He is, he is, he is a guy who represents Beverly Hills all the way over to um, West Hollywood and then down over towards Pasadena and over there, right? So he is in one of the wealthiest, most liberal districts in, in, in all of America, but specifically in California. What's interesting to me about the Adam Schiff connection is this. He was the guy who was the earliest adopter of the lie that Donald Trump was working with the Russians to get elected. He was one of the first people to start selling it. And you would see his face on cable channels typically owned by NBC, uh, typically uh, CNN, occasionally, like once or twice on the, on the uh, FNC. But there was uh, Adam Schiff, or as the president calls him, Shifty Schiff, showing up constantly on cable channels and on the Sunday shows saying, the, the evidence of collusion is in plain sight. We have it right in front of us. It's in plain sight. Uh, it cannot be disputed. There is no dispute. There is no defense. Donald Trump is a stooge of the Soviets, of the Russians, of Putin. Well, Adam Schiff, I, I, there's just some things I can't get my mind wrapped around with Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff was the chief seller of the Russians stole the election from Hillary. Adam Schiff was on the Intelligence Committee. He's now the chair of the Intelligence Committee. He personally and single-handedly recruited a former Ukrainian citizen, now an American citizen, Alexander Vindman, to be a part of this uh, impeachment cavalcade. He, he brought along guys like Eric Charamella and the rest of the losers who were uh, a part of this going after the phone call. And in the recent days, he's been the point man. He's been right out there, pointy as all, uh, saying, listen, um, this is Russian disinformation. This Hunter Biden hard drive is Russian disinformation. Now, for the non-conspiracy component, but the in interesting coincidence component. You ready for this? Here it goes. We know from Tony Bobolinsky that Hunter Biden... And Joe Biden and the whole crew were there in West Hollywood back in 2017 meeting and talking about uh, the different opportunities for uh, the big guy to get paid by the Chinese. Where did that meeting take place? One of the meetings took place at Chateau Marmont, which is an iconic Hollywood location. It's the place where John Belushi overdosed and died. It is, it is a place, Chateau Marmont is, is uh, notorious for being a den of drug abuse 
and sexual uh, uh, promiscuity and deviancy, you name it, it all goes down at the Chateau Marmont. You can see it right there. So of all the places that you would go and have meetings, that you would go and have meetings with with Vice President Biden and Hunter Biden and, and, and the rest of the characters in this cast, you go to Chateau Marmont to have a meeting there. I mean, it's a party palace, right? Hunter, in fact, I think he owns a big, a large house there in the Hollywood Hills, right adjacent to the Sunset Strip. Adam Schiff represents that district. And to me, I just, I'm thinking like Mueller-wise, I'm thinking Andrew Weissman-wise, I'm thinking Jim Comey-wise. I'm looking at all this and I'm saying, wow, that's pretty weird that the chicanerous behavior that's now been exposed took place in Adam Schiff's district at a series of meetings in both Beverly Hills and at Chateau Marmont. I just think it's interesting that Adam Schiff is now the guy running around all over the place yelling and screaming uh, about U- Ukraine and Russians and, and all that kind of stuff. It just doesn't seem to add up to me. It just doesn't seem to add up to me. What are you saying, Brett? Are you saying there's some sort of an Adam Schiff connection to all this? No, I just think it's really weird. And, and I happen to think that had, had, had the shoe been on the other foot or the roles reversed and had the president of the United States been cutting deals with the Chicoms and you found out that the meetings were in Devin Nunes's district, or, or Jim Jordan's district, or, or wherever else, you know, you would have people screaming about the conspiracy here. Well, everybody knows it's a conspiracy. It's a Look, I, I, I sit back and I look at Adam Schiff and I think to myself, you know what? When is that guy going to get fully vetted? When are we going to find out what, what he's involved with? Uh, when are we going to find out who his patrons are, who his supporters are, uh, what, 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 what dusty corners exist in his closet? Uh, this, is, this is a tremendously important election. Uh, I, I've, I've gone on the record and said I wouldn't be surprised if in 2020 we end up at the end of all of this exactly where we are now, and that is Pelosi running the House, McConnell running the, the Senate, and President Trump in for a second term, and that's why I wanted to bring Rick Gates on uh, with me to talk about this. Rick Gates has got a, a wealth of knowledge and expertise and experience, and so I wanted to bring him in to be a part of that conversation because it's a hugely important conversation that's got to be had. So we're going to jump out. We're going to take a quick uh, uh, reset, and we'll be right back with Rick Gates. You're listening to Devious Motives, the 27th episode. I am Brett Witterbrook. You're listening to Devious Motives. You're listening to Devious Motives. Happy to welcome back to the show Rick Gates. Uh, You know him from his uh, tremendous uh, experience back in the uh, Trump campaign in 2016, 2015 and 2016, uh, making sure that the the one who was once a very successful television personality and entrepreneur and businessman was able to transition to the White House. And he did. And he did it very, very well. Uh, he has uh, he has certainly fought the fight at, at a variety of levels against uh, the deep state and uh, the establishment. And he's got a brand new book out, Wicked Game, an insider's story on how Trump won, Mueller failed, and America lost. Joins us now. Rick, here we are um, days, just days away from the election uh, concluding, right? Because we know that everybody's got their early voting and their mail-in ballots and all the stuff that's getting filled out. But But I'm wondering, as you look at the way this is playing out, um, do you sense that the early turnout for the Democrats was cannibalizing their election day turnout or were they minting new voters? And what do you how do you assess the battle in some of these battleground states like North Carolina, Florida, et cetera? 
Brett, thanks very much for having me. Appreciate it again. And yeah, you're absolutely right. What we have seen uh, different from 2016 is dynamic of early voting. And this is where, you know, traditionally Democrats have been stronger. And in 2016, we made Herculean efforts to make sure that we were able to get not just uh, people uh, out with uh, mail-in ballots, absentee ballots, uh, in early in-person voting, but also new voter registrations. And two key states for us in 2016 were North Carolina and Florida. And if we had not done all of that work up front, uh, we probably wouldn't have been able to get the numbers that we did because our majorities in North Carolina and Florida were absolutely impressive in terms of getting new voters registered and out to vote. Uh, and we're seeing that uh, in 2020 as well. But this time, the Democrats had the hindsight of seeing you know, how Hillary lost and were better prepared. But what we're seeing, and this is, the, I think, the most fascinating thing about early voting, is there was this belief that there would be a lot of Democrats, you know, requesting ballots, et cetera, and going out to vote uh, in early voting. And then the Republicans would then traditionally, you know, vote on Election Day. But what we've seen is these gaps just, you know, close up so quickly because Republicans are going out to vote early in person. Uh, and the number of ballots they're requesting, while they may not be as, as many as the Democrats are requesting, what people need to understand is that these ballots are requested based on party affiliation, but that doesn't mean they're actually voting for that individual candidate. So just because you have a million ballots going out to uh, registered Democrats, it doesn't mean Democrats are getting a million votes. And this is where, you know, the, the early voting numbers are going to be tricky for people to understand, because I think this is where you're going to see kind of that silent uh, Trump vote, what we called in 2016, the Trump factor. And that's obviously mm -hmm. the people that want to, uh, you know, tell the you know, pollsters and, and other people that they're not voting for Donald Trump and they go into the voting booth uh, and they vote for Donald Trump. And it had a huge impact in 2016. And I personally think it's going to have even a greater impact in 2020. Um, uh, on this, and then we'll move to a couple of other things. It, it's a very interesting point you raise because it's no longer now just about Election Day. It's about the way the system is being rigged and, and not through naked ballot box stuffing, but you've got states, North Carolina is one of them right here. You can, you can get your ballot in as late as November 9th, Rick. I mean, this is absurd. The Supreme Court, you know, is apparently okay with this. Um, you've got a very aggressive AG and Josh Stein here in the state of uh, uh, North Carolina, and, and you can get your ballot counted as late as November the 9th. I mean, whoever, I never thought I would ever see this day uh, growing up as somebody who followed politics, did you? Absolutely not. And I think the the, the lack of a decision and the lack of in, or the inconsistency of the Supreme Court in a number of these rulings is starting to have an impact. And this is exactly what Chief Justice John Roberts didn't want to do: is have an impact. But he's making these decisions on uh, a basis of um, conflicting information on one state versus another state. I was really surprised that they did not uh, intervene in the North Carolina decision. And, and now North Carolina, at least uh, from what I believe, they have the longest extension uh, of any state. And I, I mean, can you imagine what you can do within six days? And this is where, you know, everybody you know, talks about, oh, the president, you know, he, he's you know, back to conspiracy theories with uh, election fraud. I, I tell people all the time his instincts are unparalleled. He can sense this stuff. And he is going to be right about it again. Um, and, and I don't want to see that because obviously we all want free and fair elections. But, yeah, your state, you know, in North Carolina, the, the election board, the AG, they are opening themselves up for uh, yeah. looking at the scrutiny and, and 
and look, there's going to be shenanigans. I mean, six days oh, yeah. to count ballots is crazy. And, and and the reality is, I mean, the old joke is, you know, Chicago or, or New York or uh, Newark, New Jersey. This is a state that matters and could go by a few thousand votes. I mean, Governor Pat McCrory is a, is a host on, on in the morning here on WBT. You know, he, he lost by 10,000 votes. I mean, it, it, it can be that tight. We all remember Florida in 2000, and it does feel like this is an engineered attempt to take over in the state. No question. And you look at how, I mean, everybody talks about the, the, the polls. The polls are all wrong. And, 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 and any time during election, the vote tightens as you get closer to Election Day. And to your point, um, you know, whether you look at, you know, George Bush, Barack Obama or Donald Trump in 2016, some of the states that we won, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, yeah, they're not by millions of votes. I mean, this is a, an election where every vote counts. And to give, you know, states that much more time to allow people to potentially corrupt the process is very unfortunate. And I think everybody is going to have to be vigilant, um, you know, in making sure that we don't have systemic uh, election fraud. Let's uh, let's go around the horn a little bit here. Rick Gates joining us here on the on the show, uh, author of brand new book. You got to get your hands on this wicked game and insider's story on how Trump won, Mueller failed, and America lost. This this uh, you and I are aware of a lot of different storylines that are happening at a given time, right? The average voter's busy. They're trying to keep their business afloat, get their kids to school or not to school, um, all that sort of stuff. But you and I are. are much more attuned and you even way more than me uh, looking at the different storylines out there. So let me let me hit you with a couple. Yesterday, we watched the uh, the Wizards of Smart, the the emperors of the universe uh, there from Google and uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, get together and, and talk to the Senate. Uh, yet again, the senators, the Democrat senators say is no time to have these hearings. We shouldn't have these hearings. It's too close to an election. Your fear when it comes to big tech and and not just because you or I might get deplatformed or banned or whatever, but the fact that they're actually going to suppress either news about the election turnout, the win, the loss, whatever it is. But they may be they may be suppressing reports of fraud that may show up on Twitter or Facebook or inside the Googleverse. Yeah, and I applaud the the Senate, you know, and, and Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz for you know kind of spearheading this and, and really going after you know these tech giants because Ted Cruz said, you know, who who made you, you know, the 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 purveyor, the decider, you know, of what information goes up and, and what doesn't? And you know, I, I thought you know Jack Dorsey was running circles around himself because you know he kept you know well well that's not correct or we've changed the policy and it you can tell that they've taken a deliberate approach. To suppressing information. And look, this censorship is tantamount to election interference. And to your point, now that we have these states that are extending their voting deadlines, et cetera, yeah, what's to say that they don't suppress, you know, information about legitimate election fraud and in, in each of these key states? And they have the power to do it, obviously. And it's been, I mean, just watching the, the kind of the Hunter Biden, you know, escapade unravel right. with Joe Biden, I mean, still, to this day, I mean, they are still, you know, suppressing information. And it's just I think it's tragic that, you know, uh, the American people have to you know, go through this because this is not about being a Republican or a Democrat. And, and if, they, mm -hmm. if we don't get this sorted out, you know, as a country, as a government, then these guys can pretty much do whatever they want. I mean, you look at the power that Twitter has. I think the, the best question Ted Cruz asked is, you know, <laughs> do you think you influence elections? And Jack Dorsey was like, no. And I think everybody was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, you know, I hope your lawyers didn't, you know, charge you a thousand bucks an hour to come up with that answer. Because that, that's the type of stuff that we can't have. I mean, this is exactly why 
we have the checks and balances on these companies and, and, and why there's a very specific um, part of the law that they're going to go after these companies on because they're not going to provide protections to the tech giants um, if they're not going to allow freedom of speech. And yes, you can set up rules and regs, but at the end of the day, you need to let the American people decide what they believe or not believe. It's not your job to sit through and make those determinations. Tony Bobolinsky has been an interesting phenomenon. Um, <laughs> and watching the suppression of that story, the blowing off of, of, of that sort of stuff. I mean, it, it does feel to me that the mainstream press, that the Biden campaign has taken full advantage to conflate what Mr. Bobolinsky is saying and what's on the Hunter Biden hard drive. Both of them damning. But I do believe Bobolinsky's uh, revelations to Tucker Carlson in the last uh, 48 hours have been devastating as to the issue of corruption and corruption law and order the economy i mean those are fundamental issues in an election campaign your reaction to what we've seen play out and the way this has just been absolutely cast aside yeah if you listen to what tony bobolinsky said he was very pointed in why he was doing this and he was frustrated at watching joe biden get up on stage and basically lie to the american people and it's clear that and i, I do not know mr bobolinsky but it is clear in watching his interview that he is a patriot he has served his country his family has served you know the country in different military capacities and i really believe that he's doing what he's doing out of you know a genuine desire to make this country better and the biden campaign is doing a great job of delaying it until after the election that's all they're trying to do this is a this is just a time game for them the longer they can keep it out of the press the less joe biden has to address it um, you know, this all gets them to Election Day. And, you know, it, from what I can tell, it hasn't had a substantial impact. Um, you know, where something like this is going to have an impact is on some of these, you know, uh, moderate independent voters who may say, OK, I, I, I'm not on board with this. I mean, if Joe Biden's family is enriching himself or his former previous position as vice president, then we can't have that. You know, but the problem is, is there's fewer independents and moderates out there. But if they even if they don't have the information, then they can't make, you know, accurate decisions on how they're going to vote. So the information has to keep going out. I mean, I applaud Tucker Carlson. He's done a great job of trying to get it out. I thought it was interesting, you know, uh, what two nights ago he had Bob Alinsky, and then last night he, uh, he he's talking about how he, even his news segment was suppressed. Um, so, you know, it just goes to show you what the Democrats and, and look, I mean, this is where, again, the president's instincts, you know, are just unbelievable in sensing this stuff out. And you've got all forms, you've got the media, you've got Democratic lawmakers, you've got people inside government that are, you know, secretly supporting Joe Biden. They're all working in concert to make sure that as much of this information stays buried until after the election as possible. All right, I'm going to ask you a, a final question here. It's going to involve you, but it's also going to involve the, the broader political situation. And it's this. Uh, it's not lost on me that you have Tony Bobolinsky meeting Hunter Biden at Chateau Marmont in West Hollywood, California. That is Adam Schiff's district. Um, and, and Adam Schiff has been the point man on trying to say that this is Russian disinformation. He was somebody who went on multiple hundreds of cable programs, went after you, went after President Trump, went after uh, all these sorts of, of, of fictions, really. I mean, he, he cooks up an entire Ukrainian impeachment on Donald Trump that was really the impeachment that Joe Biden would have deserved. I mean, let's be honest. So you look at this and you look at Pelosi and you look at Schiff. The American people are exhausted by this endless witch hunting stuff. You lived through it. 
is it safe to expect that this is going to continue, that California will represent an outsized presence in the Congress and the oversight committees, and that in a second Trump term, uh, that they're going to come gunning for him either on COVID or, or some other such thing? W- what about that, Rick, looking forward past uh, Tuesday? Oh, absolutely. If, if President Trump, uh, when he's reelected, uh, Adam Schiff, uh, Jerry Nadler, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they're going to they're going to do everything they can to find something to bring against the president. And and this is really the, the sad commentary here, Brad, is, is Adam Schiff, particularly in, in the references you made about all these shows he did. And I mean, it, you know, sometimes I looked at and watched and I'm, I'm thinking, is he, does he believe his own stories? Is, does he really buy in? to all this because he became such a talking head puppet and, and so many lies and nobody's called it on him. You know, I mean, nobody's gone back. Um, I always say, you know, Congress, uh, they'll never do this, but I, I think there should be a law that every time a lawmaker, a, a member of Congress speaks in public, they ought to be uh, under oath. And I guarantee you that'll change the dialogue of how these people talk. Because the sad thing is, is that these people aren't acting like Americans. They're acting like Democrats. And, and don't get me wrong, sometimes the Republicans do it too. And we're, we're sure. putting politics before our country. And that's exactly what the Mueller probe led to. I mean, look, I've said it and I'll say it again. It was the greatest crime perpetrated by Americans against Americans on American soil. And, and I say that because it, 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 it's, it's tragic to step back and look at how our adversaries are sitting on the sidelines watching us tear democracy up in our country from within they're not doing anything they're just watching us do it and that that whole Mueller probe what you know several of these you know kind of bad apples inside of government agencies were trying to do trying to take down a duly elected president and and people like adam schiff just out there you know propagating all this false information inaccurate information i mean it is it's sad and and i I hope we learn from this that's you know Part of the what I do in the book is, you know, we can't just let this go and have it happen again. I mean, we've got to learn from it. And, and, and by learning from it, we'll be a better country. And that's what I hope, you know, happens with this. So I'm hopeful that if, you know, uh, when President Trump's elected again, that maybe, you know, they'll actually let him, um, you know, uh, um, implement his agenda based on the fact that he won the election, just like he did in 2016. But they didn't give him a shot. They wouldn't let him. Um, you know, uh, fulfill his campaign promises, uh, all of them to the people, but he got most of them in anyway. Great stuff from Rick Gates, uh, a, a man who's been at the center of, uh, of, of it all. And, um, you know, I just think it's terrific that you, you, you came by and shared your thoughts with us today here in Charlotte and beyond. Uh, I'd love to get you back once we get uh, to Election Day or just over that hump. Whenever that decision day is, I guess it'll be November 9th. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, looking it's it's going to definitely extend everything out. So, uh, but yeah, we'd love to come back. Yeah. And I really appreciate you having me on. And good luck. North Carolina is one of my, uh, one of my, uh, my top you know, priority states to watch uh, on Election Night to see how uh, you know, the president does. Rick Gates, thanks so much, man. We appreciate you being here today. Thanks, Brett. Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. 
Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at justaskvi. That's vi.com.